listening to The Currency Welcome. I am Mike Gaston, I'm your host, and this is episode number 131 of The Currency. Guys, glad to have you along. Thanks for joining me. Um, really crazy, 131 episodes, that's, uh, that's something else. And I'm really proud that I'm putting this one out, not because I think the content's gonna be good, but because I'm traveling. And as most of you know, I've been doing the podcast for a couple of years, hey, doing a great job. Then around January, I fell off the face of the earth and did nothing for months and months. And uh, recently, about a month or so ago, I started recording again and getting weekly episodes out. And uh, I, I hit the road last week, midweek, um, doing some client work. I'm sitting here, actually I'm sitting on a four poster bed in an Airbnb in Lancaster, Pennsylvania right now. It's uh, it's Monday evening, July 24th. And um, it's after work, I'm sitting in this Airbnb by myself and I'm like proud of myself that I'm actually putting another episode out. We've been working through the the book uh, of by Eric Vogelin called The New Science of Politics. And the last handful of episodes, I've been breaking down essentially like one chapter at a time. Uh, I, I, I actually packed the book and some of my notes about it w and brought it with me on this trip. I'm still going to be here for a handful of days until I go home Thursday. Uh, but I think I'm going to just take a break from breaking down the book. We're not going to cover it today. I'm really looking forward to it because this next bit on Joaquim of Flora, this kind of, I think, 13th or maybe 12th century, I forget if he was in the 1200s or not, um, kind of heretic that that really laid the groundwork for how messed up our world is right now. Uh, and you've never even heard of the guy. I was, I'm looking forward to talk about talking about him and then some subsequent, I think we're going to end up doing probably three more, meaning the next one on Joaquim and then a couple more uh, to wrap up the whole series. But um, you'll be talking about Gnosticism and the progressive project of creating uh, kind of a, a secular heaven on earth. Good stuff, all good stuff and looking forward to that. But today I think I'm going to take a break. I'm proud that I'm actually putting one out because I took such a long hiatus, shamefully long hiatus, it's been so good to get back to the podcast and it was quite tempting actually to just skip this week. It's like, ah, I'm traveling, I'm tired, lots of, you know, board meetings and presentations and problem solving, some heavy kind of deep conversations, like, you know, deeper, like, like deeper problem solving, not just like, oh, you know, how do we increase revenue? But like, yeah, the kind of deeper stuff in a business, the human element and, um, and I'm tired, but at the same time, really grateful that I can sit here. I do have to give a shout out to Brett. So one of my clients, they do some audio video work and Brett is their, their videographer. And I did not travel with audio gear. I thought I'm gonna talk to Brett when I get into town and see if he's got like a USB mic. Cause I figured I don't wanna carry all this gear. Maybe Brett can just hook me up and I can record like I'm doing now. And I went to him, hey Brett, you got a USB mic I can borrow for a day or two or over the weekend. And he's like, well, I got one better. And he hooked me up with this beautiful digital recorder and a microphone. So I'm sitting here like with a proper microphone with an XLR cable, which means nothing to most people, but it's like the kind of mic you'd see on a stage holding this mic by hand, sitting on bed, gesticulating to myself. Uh, this building I'm in is beautiful. It's this, you know, old, beautiful building, my Airbnb apartment, really nice. It's small, but it's like a, a like an old, old house, uh, kind of a brick row house in a nice part of um, Lancaster. It's been chopped up. So I, there's multiple people 
in multiple apartments here. So I'm sure someone next door is thinking like, what's this guy doing next door? Who's he talking to? He sounds like he's trying to be a DJ. Anyway, here I am glad to be here. And, uh, want to just take a few minutes and check in, just tell you a little bit about what's going on. And, um, and yeah, I don't have any big, like, you know, we're going to cover some huge topics. Although whenever I say this is going to be a short one, it ends up being like a 50 minute long podcast. Cause y'all know I can talk. Um, but yeah, hope you guys are doing great. I, I have to say, like, it's been really great to see, even though I left the podcast for quite a few months, let it kind of just sit dormant um, since late January, I want to say. I figured, well, you know, I'd probably get five people listening. And the, the listenership's been fantastic. I mean, the the stats, at least, look great. I mean, people are, you know, you, you guys are great. You, you're seeing the episodes that are out there and listening. And I just want to let you know, I'm grateful for that. And I've been looking at the geographic as well. And it's pretty cool. You know, like the first episode or two that I, that I, you know, as I started back up recently, okay, you got America, Canada, but very quickly I'm seeing the podcast, uh, spread again globally, which it had been relatively global before. Um, so it's great to see European countries show up on the stats charts and central South America, Africa, uh, not, you know, not as much in Africa as I'd, I'd like, but, um, Hey, it's early days. So anyway, welcome guys. Welcome back. Thanks for being so supportive. Thanks for, um, encouraging me. I love, you know, you guys are great. You send me emails and, uh, give me feedback on the content, encourage me. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. You know, one of the things that I've wanted to avoid doing, and I, and I did do this a fair amount with the podcast before, and that's not to say I'll never do it, but I, I didn't want and this has been a stumbling block for me. I didn't want any of my content, not my video content on YouTube, not the podcast content. And you're like, Mike, what content? You don't put content out. Um, fair enough. But what I didn't want my content to become was this classic, like political commentary. You know what I mean? Where you, you know, this classic, like, did you see what the liberals did today? Um, and there's a place for all that stuff, but I mean, the kind of the, the, you know, Ben Shapiro's and the Candace Owens and all that. I mean, they do great work. I mean, it's good work. It's, it's, uh, I, but I just, I just didn't want to get stuck in that, that kind of genre, if you will, or that rut, which is disparaging to say it that way. But for me, I feel like it would be a rut. I, I, I like to comment on stuff. I like to say, Hey, I think this is wrong. Here's why, or I think this is gr- brilliant. Here's why. So, so I'm not against doing commentary, but I don't want to just become one of these like, um, political commentary, uh, channels, if you will. And part of that was like, I, I, I find that exhausting and I don't mean like hard work. I just mean like when you're, when you're focused all the time on criticizing the other side, it's just, it's just spiritually draining. Uh, I, I, you know, and I'm not one of these guys that I just want to accentuate the positive. I mean, I, I like to fight. So I, I like getting into the fight. I want to battle. I want to solve problems. I want to overcome. I want to win. I'm competitive. I'm like, I'm, I'm always, I'll say always like, you know, I'm relatively always ready for the fray. I like the fight. Obviously all of us, we get just demoralized and discouraged and exhausted at times, but I like the fight, but I don't always equate political commentary with the fight. And so it's been interesting for me. Uh, I, it, it's been a challenge, actually. I mean, interesting, okay, but it's been a challenge at times trying to figure out like uh, 
you know, where's my place in all this? If, if I'm, you know, going to engage the culture war, <laughs> which is like even that phrase, like, you know, the culture war. But if I'm going to engage culture, if I'm going to engage society, if I'm going to engage uh, politics and all these things, like it, it, what does that look like? And what is my role? You know, and I'm not interested in just being a voice of positivity. I mean, I, I like to talk about positive things. You know, uh, you know, God in scripture says, think on these things, things that are good, just, you know, holy peace. Um, uh, you know, and I'm, by the way, I'm, this, it's a paraphrase. Please don't hit me with, you, you got the wrong list. But um, think on things that are pure, good. Um, I, so there is something about focusing our attention, attending to that which is good, that which is true, that which is pure. And, you know, if you think about the world we're living in right now, like we're, I'll say being forced almost, I mean, we're almost forced. I mean, you have to work pretty hard to avoid, but we're being forced to attend to that, which is, you know, perverse, um, dark, evil, uh, you know, carnal. It's, it's so hard, um, to, to be able to focus on, on anything that's wholesome in this world. You, have, you actually have to work hard to avoid that which is terrible and seek out that which is good. And, and it's, it's, it's weird. It's like you, you can walk down the streets these days in any town, any town, and, and the darkness is just everywhere. It's, it's so, so and, and sometimes we don't realize it. I mean, you, you know, it's like these things change subtly over time. And you don't realize that. Well, so, so interesting thing, like I've been coming to Lancaster for work probably since 2000 and I'll say 2017. So what is it now? 2023. So six years I've been coming and going from Lancaster, PA. I've got two clients here um, and I come and go on a regular basis. And over the years, like when I first started coming here to now, just six years, which is not an outrageous amount of time, there has been a dramatic change in the city of Lancaster. Now, like any city, and it's a small, I mean, you've, you've got Lancaster County, so, or, or Lancaster as people, like locals here say Lancaster. So I've kind of picked up their way of saying, just because I've been working here so long. But... But in Lancaster, you have Lancaster County, which in the U.S., if you're not from the U.S., you know, apologies, but in the United States, it's known as kind of a hub for the Mennonite and Amish communities. So it's it's a very famous kind of Amish country place. And people will come, vacationers will come, tourists will come from all around, typically all around the Northeast, maybe a little bit of the Southeast, but all around the Northeast, to Lancaster to maybe take in some of the Amish culture, you know, visit farms, uh, buy, you know, buy homemade jams and pies and, you know, participate in some of the kind of cultural attractions, if you will. It's a really popular place for Christian families to come. There's a sight and sound theater, which does these like really, um, really sophisticated, large-scale productions of biblical stories, uh, theater productions, actors and sets and everything. And I've driven, I've never taken one in, but I've driven past 
the Sight and Sound, you know, campus, you can see it from Route 30. And it's huge. First of all, you're like, wow, what's that? And then I've driven past it sometimes when like maybe a show is letting out and the stream of traffic coming out of there is just mind boggling. So, you know, Lancaster County uh, itself, the county is really conservative, very conservative, very kind of, you know, Bible Belt style uh, town, very lots of, you know, beautiful agriculture, like lovely farms, very tidy you know, crops, uh, dairy, uh, you know, some, I, I, I haven't seen like a lot of sheep farming, that type of thing. Although, you know, you go by a Mennonite farm, there might be goats and chickens and geese running around, but, but typically, uh, crop farming, you know, tobacco, corn, uh, fruit, et cetera, beautiful rolling Hills. I mean, you know, driving and there'll be some horse drawn carriage, clip clop, clip clop and holding up traffic on the narrow country roads. But, but the county itself, very conservative, lots of family-owned businesses. This part of Pennsylvania and getting up into Ohio as well, lots of like multi-generational family manufacturing, you know, family uh, engineering, construction, like all these different like family businesses. A lot of a lot of America's manufacturing, kind of private business manufacturing uh, might was concentrated in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And so this county, very much free enterprise, conservative, uh, family-run farms, family-run businesses, you know, a lot of small towns, these communities, et cetera. Lancaster City itself, you know, beautiful colonial city, uh, lots of like side-by-row houses and colonial buildings and colonial architecture and um, just really great, quaint, beautiful, creative city. Uh, but Lancaster City, you know, like most cities, tends to be more liberal, the city itself. You know, you've got a Democrat mayor and city council and, you know, so it's a lot more artsy-fartsy and a lot more like, you know, college town vibe. And, you know, so you, you're driving in the countryside and, you, you know, especially when Trump was president, you saw a lot of a lot of Trump signage, a lot of Trump signage, like, wow, Trump signage, Bible verses up on billboards, like, you know, handmade signs saying, you know, um, that Jesus Christ is the only way, you know, that, like all that kind of stuff. And then the city, it was a lot of Black Lives Matter and rainbow flags and, you know, love is love kind of stuff. And there was that, I forget what that flag, it was like a, not a flag, but they would put, it was like this litany of phrases, um, kind of like a yard sign, like, um, just making a bunch of progressive statements, you know, love is love and black lives matter. And it was like a paragraph of these phrases to let you know, like we believe in these things in this house. So you'd see a lot more of that in the city, not to say that it doesn't have a conservative contingent, but there was a lot more of that kind of stuff in Lancaster city. Even given that though, Lancaster city being part of the tourist destination for Christians and people interested in seeing the Amish and so on tended to be pretty low key. There weren't a lot of homeless. They were pretty careful on, um, like they cracked down on panhandlers, people asking for stuff and the general, like kind of people walking the streets of the city were just kind of basic, you know, I don't want to say 1950s, leave it to Beaver, but you know, just your average people walking to and fro. Like it was just like, yeah, it was liberal, but it was like a, it was just a, a, a slightly liberal city in a pretty conservative county. It's like, okay, big deal. So fast forward six years. Um, and I noticed like the last, 
I don't know, six months or so, walking around the city, like something's changed, like it's really changed. And you're in what I see, this is just a course, this is anecdotal. This is just one person. I don't have any data on this, but I'm, you just see like a lot of like people with shaved and dyed hair, uh, like, you know, really excessive piercings. I don't mean like, okay, they got a little, you know, thing in their nose or like excessive piercings, excessive tattoos, bizarre haircuts, um, you know, like women, like totally, you know, unshaven legs with tattoos on top to bottom. And, you know, their, their bangs cut like extreme and with purple blue hair and like just a lot of that, it, it, like the general vibe of the people of the city that I see just kind of casually, like totally has changed. It's become very much, it's almost like one of these like really kind of trendy, progressive, uh, boroughs of, or, you know, neighborhoods in say Brooklyn, uh, New York city, like all of a sudden it just changed big time. And, and, and like, yeah, I've, I've seen like a lot of transgender people, a lot of transgender people and not just like some, you know, guy dressed up as a woman, but, but like, like creepy, like, you know, fishnets and stilettos and genitalia showing and just like, just like really, bizarre people. Now you're going to say, Mike, you're so judgmental. Like you're an old white man and you're so judgmental. I, I'm just telling you, there's been a dramatic change and it's not just a style thing. Like, Hey, I noticed a lot of people were wearing their collars popped, uh, their eyes with their collars popped. And now they seem to be wearing tank tops. You know, what's going on here? That styles changed. It's like the, 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 the ideology and the ideas that drive the individuals walking the streets, it's clearly different. <laughs> I mean, you, you just the outward manifestation of, of the people walking around, it's, it's so diametrically opposite of, of what I was seeing. There's still the quote unquote normal people, the business people going to and fro, the accountants and attorneys and so on. And students, you know, just young people kind of walking to classes or to a coffee shop. Like there's still that, but like there seems to be like this, this mushrooming of, of what I would call queer style. Uh, people just embracing kind of a queer embodiment of life. These aren't just like musicians that are artsy and, and kind of out there a little bit. It's, it's an embodiment of a whole different theory of being. And by the way, when I talk about queer, I'm not using that in a pejorative sense, although I, for me, it is pejorative, I did, but I don't mean it as a way of saying, oh, these people are terrible. These people themselves, I don't know about these specific individuals, but there's a whole movement of like being queer, which is this kind of disrupting of the norm, the norm of sexuality, the norm of being, the norm of relating, the norm of presenting. It's just like, you're just, it's queer. It just, it doesn't just mean gay. It just means just kind of against everything uh, that, that we would call normative or, or, you know, traditional. So I've been looking at this. I'm like, what is going on now? Uh, for, you know, a month or two ago, it was pride month. So for a while, it's kind of like, well, I, I don't know, maybe it's just pride month. And so it's kind of crazy, but maybe once pride month stops, they'll, they'll all, you know, retreat back to the shadows. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I'm going to get canceled. Um, but that hasn't been the case, which I'm not surprised. 
And so I've been just been doing a little bit of like informal research, like asking people, not like, hey, have you seen all the creeps lately? But I've just been asking like, hey, what's going on? It just seems like something's changed in Lancaster City. Like, and, and I've had a number of people say to me, yeah, actually, you're, it's interesting you say that. Because they're saying like what's happened is a lot of people have been moving, supposedly, this is the story, I can't prove it, but a lot of people have been moving from, say, like New York City, which is, you know, just a couple hours, to, well, was it? New York City is just a few hours away. It's very easy to get, you could drive. It's a, it's a short drive from New York City to here. They've got, um, it's, it's cheaper to live here. It's kind of a little city with a cool little vibe. And a lot of people are like fleeing New York City and setting up shop here. Uh, the idea being that they got remote work or whatever. Now, the people that I see, now some of these people are like waiting tables and stuff. So I don't know if they have remote work and some of them are just walking the streets. I have no idea. But there is this sense that there are there's kind of an influx of people from, say, New York City and maybe some other urban areas because you're not far from Philly. Philly's an hour and a half away. Uh, Baltimore is an hour and a half away. DC, maybe two hours away because Baltimore and DC are right next to each other. So you've got a number of cities that are within easy striking distance of Lancaster. And the theory is that a lot of people are moving here. So I would imagine a lot of families are coming here. It's not just queer and weird and freak, you know, just people saying, hey, I want to get out of the city. But it would seem to me that there's been an increase in... um, in kind of outsiders, if you will, people that are that are different coming here and setting up shop. It could also be that the the um, I don't want to say complex um, the complexion because people think I mean the skin color. I don't mean com- that way, but complexion in a more abstract sense. The complexion of the student body is changing. So I don't mean to say white to black. So take a deep breath, Francis. What I mean is like just the, the types of people going off to college, you know, what does a college student look like these days? Um, you know, there's, there's, I've seen these memes where it's like you send your daughter off to college, it's a picture of just a you know, lovely girl. Oh, she was probably a cheerleader or whatever. And then, you know, one year into her whatever studies program and she looks like a freak, right? Cause she's going to take on all this ideology and butch up her hair and tattoo herself and pierce herself and, and look miserable. So it could be that the college students coming in are looking different, meaning just young people are more and more also embracing kind of a queer perspective of society and life and in manifesting that in their looks. I don't know. Again, uh, anecdotal. I'm, uh, uh, you know, a data set of one, but I, I just found it kind of interesting because I'm like, yeah, something's going on here and I could see a marked change, you know, within the last year, I really started noticing the last few months, of course, the weather's gotten warmer, you know, so January, you're not going to see it because everybody's cooped up. But as, as the doors opened and people started hitting the streets, I've just noticed, wow, there's a, there's a change. So, so that's that take it for what it's worth. I, I, I am curious in your own communities, you know, are you seeing a proliferation of, um, this kind of queer manifestation. I I don't even know what to call it. I mean, is that, is that the right phrase even? I mean, this is the kind of thing, uh, to really get your arms around. Now I said earlier, I didn't want to, I, I think I said, I, I, of course, it's probably the third run at recording this episode. The first two, I just got a few minutes in and I was like, uh, I've 
take a deep breath and start again. No, no, and so maybe I said this in one of the others. I said, I don't want to become one of these political commentators where I'm just commentating on what the left did today, et cetera. And part of the thing I, I, I so, so in my content, I don't want to get to this place where I'm just commentating all the time because it's just, it's not like, it's, it's almost like if you sit criticizing all the wrong it's not spiritually um, sustainable. It, it hollows you out. I, I'm up for the fray. I'm up for the, the political fight. I'm up for the culture war. I'm, I'm up for battling for what's true and right and good. I'm, I'm up for that. And part of that battle sometimes is criticizing, critiquing, and commenting on the current situation. Today, this is more of an observation. I'm not even criticizing, although I do find it troubling. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to pretend like, well, you know, I don't have a feeling on this. I just noticed it. No, I don't, I don't like it. Um, but I'm curious, you know, what you're seeing in your communities. Are you seeing changes? I think we are seeing um, a change in our society. And the, th and the thing I'm concerned about, you know, you, every society, you always have fringe. I mean, that's just, you have a fringe. That's, you can't have, you can't have uh, the majority without a minority, because if you have a, a majority with no minority, it's just it's just a monoculture. It's just it's just it's not even a majority. It just is. Um, but once once you have like a small percentage that's different, you kind of have a majority and a minority. You have kind of the center, what's normal, normal, traditional, acceptable, and then you have a fringe. There's always been a fringe in the modern world, at least. And I would suspect in the ancient world too. There's always some outliers, some you know weirdos. Uh, that don't fit or that rebel against, um, you know, and, and then suffer the consequences. You know, they have to live outside society in one way or the other. What's, what's really kind of weird about this is what we would call fringe. And I don't just mean fringe, meaning they're the minority, but like there is a way that mankind, human beings and society have been ordered through the millennia, I mean, for thousands of years, you find variations, meaning each culture's got its own kind of take on it. But there were just things that were accepted as part of this is what a good life looks like. Each each society might value things a little differently. They might rank order them differently. But like to, to, to have a spouse was a good thing. To have children was a good thing. To have property was a good thing. To to be honorable, to be productive, to, you know, to build and to, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like those were just considered good things. Like each society might order them a little differently. They might have different customs. Like, you know, my society's wedding custom, the ceremony is going to look different than some other society's wedding ceremony, that custom. But they're both saying, no, we, we recognize that marriage holds a very special and, and sacral, sacred place in our society. And, and that's fine. Like there's just so that's just a norm normative way that it, it's not so much like, well, that's white supremacy or that's, you know, Western ideology. You see this across all kinds of cultures throughout centuries and centuries and centuries of human history. And what, what I feel we're seeing, and the reason I find this so troubling is not just like, well, we're just taking all that, but we're just kind of dressing it up a little differently. Like, yeah, you know, your, your generation like to wear pleated wool slacks and our generation likes to wear dungarees, you know, and, and a subsequent generation, you know, wants to wear, um, track suits. It's, it's not the matter that we're all wearing pants, but the style of, of 
of pants are changing each generation or cycle around the the cultural sun. It's that we're saying no. Uh, we don't believe that 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 uh, you should wear pants at all. We think that genitals should be exposed to all the elements and for all to see. It's like it's a fundamental change. It, that's by the way both. Um, an analogy and probably a literal thing that's going on in our society at the same time. But what I'm getting at is like the things that, that we as a race, as a, as a, as the human race have identified throughout, um, our existence as being good and necessary actually for humans to thrive, marriage, family, uh, you know, heterosexual love and relationships, procreation, work, uh, productivity, et cetera, all these things that have essentially been accepted are now being not only questioned, but, but tossed out. And what we're getting is the fringe, which would say, no, I reject marriage. Uh, I reject, um, gender norms. You know, I reject, um, my body. I'm going to, I'm going to just deface it and pierce it and cut it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to dress, you know, like, look, the whole thing with like women not shaving their legs, that's not in the Bible. The, I don't, well, maybe, maybe there's some old Testament law that thou shalt, um, keep your legs looking beautiful. But, you know, I understand like in Germany, Hey, women don't shave their legs, their armpits, at least I, they used to, you know, some European countries, like women let their armpits grow and others in, you know, America, and some of the other Western countries, they, they shave. Okay. I get that. Like that, that's not like, oh my gosh, these people are monsters, but we're getting to the point where the fringe, which, which is essentially rejecting the, 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 the thousands of generations of human experience that say, this is what we do in order to enjoy a good life, to have good societies, to have um, healthy human beings for generations to come to sustain the race. They're saying, well, we reject all of that. In fact, we're living against that. We're destroying that. We're deconstructing it. We're not dressing it up a little differently. We're not just kind of tweaking it or giving it a little bit of panache or a little bit of style. We're not even being punk rock just to kind of upset you guys. We are rejecting millennia of human experience and human structure and society and what humans have understand to be good. And we are completely undoing all of that. That fringe is no longer the fringe. It is becoming the core of society. Now, the, the thing is that, I mean, they, they're still outnumbered, but they are becoming kind of the center. The fringe is becoming the center. And I, I find that concerning because, you know, we're, we're, I don't think that we should be punitive to the fringe. I don't think that we should hunt these people down and abuse them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like angry and hostile. I mean, I'm upset at times, but I, I don't look at these people as they're the problem. If we just erase them, we'd be great. I, I think these people are a manifestation of a deeper darkness that we have to come to terms with. And they don't have to become the minority, the majority rather, to rule society. You, you don't have to be the majority to take control. In, in what we're doing as a society, you've got all these people kind of living more of a normative lifestyle to one degree or another. I mean, where our society is pretty messed up. I mean, divorce and, you know, uh, there's just all this kind of stuff. I, and I don't mean that to say if you've had the unfortunate, you know, uh, 
experienced it to have been divorced. I, I don't mean to say what's well, divorced people. I mean to say there are all these things in the normal world, quote unquote, that are also broken. So it's not like, well, one group's living perfectly and if and the other group's wrecking it. We 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 have a deeper problem. But but we're even making room. We're saying, no, let's put these people at the front and center. Let's put transgender people at the center. Let's put, you know, gay marriage at the center. Let's normalize all these kind of queer ways of living. But see, these ways of living are not just another way that live next to how you want to live and you can just be neighbors. This isn't like a family moved in from Ethiopia and they they look different, they sound different, they cook different foods, but they bought a house next to you in the suburb and the father's trying to get a good job and they just want to put their kids through college where they're all, they look and, and, and sound different and everything, but at the same time, they want what you want. That's, that, that's not true. This queer ideology defines itself against normative, normal human experience. You see, in marketing and branding specifically, you get into something called positioning. You position a product. How do you position a product? What position does it hold in the marketplace? It's kind of a big deal. Like, and you've got to get your positioning right. And typically, there are different theories, but the, but the kind of classic positioning theory is, uh, which was created by Jack Trout and what was the other guy? It was two guys, Trout and, well, anyway, I can't remember, but Jack Trout and... Um, the theory is like there are two positions. There's number one and everybody else. And what that means is you either hold the, 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 the number one position, Coke. You know, some people, well, no, Pepsi, but really Coke is the number one position. And everybody else has to position against Coke, meaning, okay, if Coke is number one, um, well, we're, we're uh, sugar-free. Well, why does that matter? Well, Coke has sugar, so we're sugar-free. Or, you know, we're the un-cola. You're really positioning against cola, which is Coca-Cola. Uh, you know, so it's this idea that like you, or we're cheaper. Well, cheaper than who? Well, we're cheaper than the, the leading brand. Um, we're more expensive. We're more, you know, we're, we're, we're higher quality. Higher quality than who? Uh, we're higher quality than Coke. So, so there's always the leader. The leader doesn't mean that they do everything perfectly. It just means that they're the kind of dominant brand and all the other brands to get our attention have to position against that because in our mind, that brand is the dominant brand. And so this one tastes great. This one's less filling. You know, this one's cheaper. Uh, this one's more exclusive, but they're all trying to tell you that I'm more exclusive than the main brand. I, I taste better than the main brand. I cost less than the main brand, uh, fewer calories than the main brand. And, and that's positioning. And what you have when you have this kind of queer ideology and this, this, this queer way of living, which is transgender, gay, and all this kind of stuff, it's not a matter of like, it's just one more choice and a bunch of equal choices. It's positioning against what is normal. It's, it's saying, look, we're fringe, but it's, but it's gaining the place of control, of dominance, and it will become the standard. It, its goal is to not just kind of find its place among us, like, hey, let us be legit too. It's saying, no, we want to dominate. We want to, we want to queerify. We want to pervert all of society. And this is why we're seeing in the education system, uh, 
the curricula that the kids are being exposed to. And it's just, I mean, if, I don't know if you've looked into this at all, but the, the gender curricula in the diversity, equity, inclusion curricula in these schools is just mind blowing. It's mind blowing. It's just like, you can't believe what kids are being taught, exposed to, and so on in a very young age. So all that to say, um, I've just had some observations here and it's been making me think about, you know, what, what, what are the ramifications? Um, again, it's just anecdotal. I've kind of noticed it. Some people are saying, oh yeah, a bunch of New Yorkers are coming in. Well, you know, when you're, when you're, when you've got a town and, and it seems like there are different people, you're going to, oh yeah, it's outsiders. I, who knows? I don't know if these are outsiders. They could be, it could be fifth generation locals. I mean, I have no idea. Some Mennonite kid leaves the farm, you know, puts a big, uh, big ring in her nose and pierces the heck out of herself, butches her hair. What do I know? Could be that. But um, clearly something's changing here. And I, I think it's interesting, noteworthy, because Lancaster's such a kind of um, conservative community, one with uh, religious and ethnic, you know, your Mennonite Amish, uh, religious and ethnic roots that go pretty deep. It's agrarian. It's got a long-term kind of lots of small community towns, tightly knit, a lot of German heritage here, um, lots of like multi-generational small businesses, the kind of things that, you know, you would say like classic Americana, uh, you know, can-do attitude, values-driven, hardworking people, et cetera, et cetera. There's a serious shift going on right now. And, um, I think it's noteworthy because it's one thing to say, well, I noticed in New York City, like people seem creepy. Well, yeah, it's New York City. They've always seemed creepy. I mean, I remember being in Times Square in the in the mid 80s and I was like, what a what a eye opener that was for a kid right out of high school. My goodness. I mean, that was like that was the classic, you know, porno Times Square, really sketchy, really sketchy. We're there doing evangelism work of all things when I was with Youth with a Mission. But um, so, I mean, I've seen, you know, you, you get creepy for, for, for decades and decades in these cities, big deal. But like something weird's going on, <laughs> especially when it shows up in a city like Lancaster. Now, again, it might be just its proximity to some of these larger urban areas. But the fact that this kind of demographic, uh, if that's even a thing, it's just demographic, I guess, um, is taking root in such a kind of small, close-knit, uh, conservative kind of uh, milieu is 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 noteworthy. You know, I don't even I'm gonna presume to read too much into it, but it but it's noteworthy. And uh, yeah, be curious to know what you guys are seeing. I've said that a couple of times, but if you get a minute, uh, shoot me a note. I'd love to know what you guys are seeing. You can just get me at mike at mikegaston.com. Most of you know my email address. Just go to my website mikegaston.com. There's a contact form there. Uh, if you're not using a modern podcast app, uh, consider upgrading. You know, uh, I, I use, for years, I've used Apple's podcast app. I'm kind of making a shift over. I've moved this podcast to a podcast 2.0 uh, tech um, platform. There's just so much more you can do with it. There's a transcript that comes with the podcast. So if you're using a modern podcast app, you can you know see the transcript as you're listening. You can often clip sections, uh, share stuff. You can donate to the show. Um, like there's all this other stuff that goes on that you might want to take advantage of. So you know maybe upgrade to uh, a more modern podcast app, one that's podcasting 2.0 friendly. You get a little bit more feature. 
uh, the experience. Guys, thanks so much for your time. Uh, great to have a few minutes with you guys. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're blessed and uh, looking forward to catching you all in the next episode. Cheers.